Welcome to this episode of TechLink in Conversation. I'm Eddie Grant, a director at Technical Connection. During our conversations, we seek to review the topical bulletins published on TechLink, our knowledge management tool for all things tax, trusts, pensions, and much, much more. Today, we're going to do something slightly different, and we're going to have a conversation with a financial planner. So I'm absolutely delighted to be joined by Charlotte Watson, who launched her business in January 22. And the business is based in the Cambridgeshire, Norfolk borders. So Charlotte, hello, how are you? Very well, thank you. And thank you for joining us today. And uh, as I always like to do, I like to uh, ask the killer question right at the beginning. Um, so I'm going to be drinking one of my gunpowder green teas. Uh, what's going to get you through this uh, conversation? So I'm current. Don't judge me for this. I'm currently drinking uh, English breakfast tea, which isn't very exciting. Um, but I did used to love, and as I know you're a tea fan, I used to love Lapsang Souchon when I was pregnant, and I can't even bear the smell of it now. I can't. I can't stand it. So yes, it's English boring breakfast tea for me. There's nothing wrong with that at all. Nothing at all. Um, so uh, we first met when you uh, did a talk at uh, at the academy, um, and I was inspired by uh, your story and uh, invited you onto the to the podcast. Um, do you want to sort of start off with how you decided to join uh, the profession because? You've you've come from another place. I have, I have very much. So first of all, thank you so much for having me here. I'm completely honoured to uh, to be on your podcast. Um, yes. So my previous career, I spent ten years as an equine science lecturer. So I was um, teaching degree level and postgraduate um, equine science. Um, so as I said in that speech that day, I spent a lot of my day dissecting dead horses. And now I'm dissecting pensions, which is, I mean, similar skills. It can be just as messy if the whole music is particularly bad with particular providers. Um, but yes, and a lot of people have asked me about that and said, that's a big leap from teaching into finance. Where, where did that come about? And actually, it's not really that much of a big leap because with both professions, you have to be incredibly organized, incredibly efficient and be good at dealing with people, being able to explain things in 10 different ways. Now, I think we'd all agree that that's something we have to do as a financial advisor, and it was exactly the same in teaching. So um, I didn't feel the leap was too large, but I did then need to do some qualifications to make sure I was ready to go from equine science uh, over here in, into the finance world. Uh, so what happened with me in particular is I was, I was lecturing, I'd done 10 years of it, and then I went off on maternity leave. And taking that step back from a career is, is really empowering to then have a look at the future. Where do you want to be? How are you going to want your future to be shaped? And for me, I then decided at that point that the lecturing I'd kind of reached a, a pinnacle of my career. I was already writing journal articles that were published. I didn't need to do a PhD because I was still getting published without that qualification. And I didn't want to go into management. So from my point of view, there was nowhere else to go. And I didn't just want to become a mum and that be it. And then that was a slide into retirement. Um, so that's when I decided to go out for lunch with lots and lots of different people and quiz them mercilessly about their careers, what they really loved and the things they found more challenging and saw what matched up with the things I really loved about lecturing. The financial advice stood up by an absolute mile. My uncle's an IFA. And uh, one of my very good friends, her husband is an SJP advisor. So both of them had very similar views on the day-to-day -day 
in terms of how they were helping people really shape their future, which is what I loved about lecturing. And I really wanted that. Brilliant. And um, and it's certainly if you go onto your website or see your Instagram posts, uh, horses are uh, a big part of uh, of, of uh, all the imagery on there. Um, so you you haven't totally left uh, the horses behind. I think you still you still got is it one or two horses? Two. So I'm very lucky. I've got two horses. So one I've had since I was 16. So it's a long old time. It's bigger than most people's mortgages length of time I've had that horse. And the other one is my husband's ex army horse. So she retired from London and uh, has joined us up here. So very very lucky. Brilliant, brilliant. And so uh, you decided to join the profession. Um, and then uh, you went on a sort of journey of uh, exams and, and getting yourself going. Do you, want, do you want to talk through that? And obviously you had uh, a couple of, uh, um, uh, you, I think you had your, your baby at the beginning of it and also COVID as well. Yeah. So. So, yeah, so it was an interesting time. So my son was born in September 2019. And so for the first sort of four or five months of his life were pretty normal. And then I think we'll all probably remember that we went into lockdown. So then life was very, very different. I'd already made this decision that financial planning was for me. This is where I was going to go um, before we went into lockdown. And then everything stopped. And so I actually took that opportunity to think, right, there's nothing else going on. I may as well actually see if this is going to be for me because I'm going to have to do some exams. So I actually started self-teaching and I started RO1. As a lecturer, I'm a nightmare to teach, if I'm honest, because you have to keep me engaged all the time because my brain is spinning in different directions. But I can teach myself things. I did my master's on how is the best way to, to keep engaged or, or knowing your best learning style. So I had some tools in the toolkit to use. Um, so I started RO1 with a five-year-old, five-month-old baby and a litter of puppies that arrived two days before lockdown as well. So I had seven collie puppies. <laughs> so it was all very exciting. Um, and passed my first exam. And as soon as I passed that exam, um, and RE1 is notoriously um, probably the more dry exams that the CII have uh, have got for us. Um, but I actually really enjoyed it. Don't tell everyone because they might, well, actually, I'm fine. I'm on a podcast. Everyone's going to know. <laughs> but yeah, I didn't find it that boring. So at that point, I knew that if this was considered the most dry exam, I was going to be fine from this point onwards. And then I continued to do those exams um, while applying for the academy. Um, and then the academy was pushed back because if you remember, we went into a second lockdown. So that was pushed back further. Um, so I was hoping to start the academy at the end of maternity leave in September. Unfortunately, it got pushed back to March the following year. So I arrived on the academy only needing to do two more exams, which gave me a lot of confidence coming from a complete career change. Um, because imposter syndrome really is a thing, particularly um, our academy, we were very lucky. It was all virtual. So that was great. But there are 20 faces there that you immediately assume everybody knows more than you. Lots of people have come from a finance background. And I was like, oh, hello, I used to chop up dead horses. You know, that's a it's a real um, confidence leap to go. I know I can do this and I'm going to do it. Um, so, yeah, it was very exciting. Joined the academy and then and then continue from there. Brilliant. And um, and so with, with the academy, what what what's. Uh, would you sort of, if someone was starting today and thinking about getting themselves going, what did you? What was your biggest takeaway around the sort of community? How you can, you know, work with people and learn with them? I think support is absolutely key in our whole industry, not just on the academy, but running the business. Support is so important. Um, I think lots of people are willing to give up their time. Why wouldn't you take them up on that? Why would you be shy about that? And also, if they don't offer to give up their time and you get stuck, ring someone. 
I've now done um, three Academy guest lectures, um, which is amazing so early in my journey that they're inviting me back to, to talk about things. Um, but certainly my biggest tip to those people starting out is never, if you are stuck for longer than five minutes, that is five minutes too long, then you need to start sending emails, WhatsApps, because I'm sure we've all got we've all got groups that we ask people on. Start ringing tax and technical teams. Just get hold of as many people as possible. In between times, you might have found the answer or remembered the answer or someone has responded. But if you are stuck that longer than that five minutes, that's not good for your mindset. It's not a good use of your time when there are people out there that are willing to help you. Um, so, yeah, definitely just always be asking asking people for help because I think that's really, really key. And it's a confidence thing as well, because I know as, as British people, it's a real British thing. We don't like to ask for help. We're all a little bit control freaks and think we can do everything ourselves, but actually, why wouldn't you? And the other way, that's why I like doing the Academy guest uh, lectures and why I like helping people, mentoring people, because, and the same with the financial planning, to have an impact on someone's life, to make something a bit easier for them is a wonderful thrill. And it's a really nice give back. Yeah, and I, I think absolutely in terms of people giving up their time, it's always uh, never ceases to amaze me how generous people are. And uh, I, went, I was at the PFS conference uh, last week, and you know, many of the people um, presenting uh, were, were giving up their time um, to, to, you know, to really raise knowledge across the profession. So it's, uh, I think it's you're absolutely right. People should always uh not only take advantage of it but also as well i think it's the reciprocation that's really important and as you're doing important. and it's not just in the finance world so i find although i'm running a business instagram that is such a supportive community of other either working mums or women running their own business because it doesn't matter if you're running a financial planning business or you're running an accountancy business, a will writing business, or even if you're, I don't know, a, a utility warehouse salesperson, you're still going to have the same pinch points of that balance of work, ambition versus parenting or the other things that are going on in our lives. So be able to lean into that support and trust people to, to help you and keep you positive is really, really important. And you, um, you said that you sort of got your business off the ground in January 22. Um, so what was that like? How, what, what was your strategy? How, what did you learn from, from that experience? Well, so this was a, a huge learning curve. So when I left lecturing um, and I was going to become financial advisor, I really thought I needed to come across as this was Charlotte who used to lecture. This is now Charlotte, the financial advisor. And I wanted to look like, um, I think I went and had my, my headshot, my, uh, my corporate headshot done. And I said to the photographer, can you make me look aggressively corporate? I was wearing like a, a black suit and I had my hair pinned up really tight. And I said, I need to look aggressively corporate. And so we did this, this incredible thing where I had my arms crossed and I was looking to the side. And it was absolutely everything I thought I needed. And it was what I wanted at that time. I looked like the Cruella de Vil of, uh, of financial advice. I looked terrifying. But I thought people needed me to look like that. And it was only then when I started networking, started speaking to people and, and meeting clients and then started the social media in earnest that I realized my clients do not want angry face Charlotte. They want someone who is relatable, can talk through their financial planning worries, help them see the areas they need improvement and, and help guide them towards 
a better financial future. So actually they're going to want me in, in cashmere jumpers and jeans. They are not going to want me in a suit with really high heels tottering about the place. So uh, that was a real change. And as soon as I felt that change, that's when I brought in my own logo, my own colors um, and my own tone across social media. So um, I am an avid social media um, user um, and advocate. It is my biggest source of client acquisition. I absolutely love using Instagram um, in, in particular. So I use Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube, and LinkedIn. So uh, I'm, I'm across the board. I'm, I'm in a lot of places. Uh, but Instagram is, seems to be the biggest grower and where most of my clients come from. Nothing on my Instagram is promotional. It's all jargon busters. It's soft posts about me and my family, relatable content, so that I am trying to bridge the gap between financial advisors being scary people who take all your money, which is what someone has said to me before, and me being an actual person who can can help you with your financial planning in the future. Um, so yeah, I really find uh, the social media helps me with that. And TikTok uh, is quite interesting. I know that a lot of people are trying to sort of grapple with that. Is that something you've been doing for a reasonable amount of time or you you at early stages with it? So TikTok um, for about six months, but I'll be honest, I'm a slightly lazy social media person because I do most of my content creation on Instagram. I then download the content and then re-upload it onto TikTok. So um, for example, if it's a jargon buster explaining life cover, um, then it's the same content. It'll have the same um, caption and the same hashtags on there. And I'll just put it on a different profile. Um, because I'm targeting different people. TikTok is going to be younger people. Instagram is going to be more my age and Facebook tend to be slightly older. Now that is obviously broad stroke, um, you know, saying that that's exactly how it works, but it does tend to be like that in terms of the analytics that I can pull off. And uh, in terms of the social media, you, you do all that your, yourself or have you yeah. outsourced any of it? No, so I don't think I ever will. So I have, um, I've had a, a brilliant lady who has been my guide, if you like. So I've got two two ladies that have helped me. I had a marketing consultant uh, called Ariana who um, sort of lit the spark, if you like, of, of saying, why don't you just be you and, you know, come across as yourself. And she's right, because I watch on Instagram, Mrs. Hinch and Stacey Solomon. I've got absolutely no intention of cleaning my house. And my house has certainly not got white carpets. I'm renovating. <laughs> no way. But um, I watch them and I feel like I know them. And you're building rapport very quickly with people. If you're putting on soft content and my stories I use a lot to just chat through my day. So then when someone comes for a meeting with me, they feel like they already know me. We, I already am going to talk in the same way, in the same tone. Um, I'm going to use the same examples that they've heard before. So they already feel quite comfortable with me. So we've built the no, we're working on the trust with the Instagram, and then they become the client, which is where we get the like. And I think um, listening to your story, I think you're a, a fabulous uh, example of an inclusive profession, um, you know, with your with your backstory. So, so what are your sort of thoughts around how we make this profession far more inclusive uh, especially with more female advisors, which is still still relatively low number of female advisors. Yeah, so um, particularly, so in our industry, I found a um, quote a while ago that said the average age is 58 and uh, only 18% of advisors are female. So that is a huge skew being a 35-year-old woman. I'm, I'm a bit of a niche, if you like, um, particularly if you then add in the, the mum things and the renovation and the horses as well. You know, I'm, I'm probably quite niche. Um, I think as an industry, people have stereotypes of advisors being old men in pinstripe suits. And we are moving away from that. I think post lockdown, I don't see many people in, in suits and ties as much anymore. 
Um, but certainly from my point of view as, as a woman and as a working mum, it is a job and a business that I can run quite flexibly around childcare, which we know is astronomical um, and is really limiting for a lot of women in terms of their um, career progression if they were employed or um, you know, how they're going to run their own businesses. So my, my wise words to them would be try it, have a look at it because you can make it so flexible. Clients work as well. So I work quite a few evenings to give myself that time to be able to work 9.30 till 3.30, pick up my son, and then I can go back into, come back into my office in the evening to then, to then do a bit more then as well. So it certainly is flexible, but it's also the longevity of it because it's my business and it's my ambition. I'm working on my hours and I'm planning a future for my business with me in it. And that is just wonderful. When I was making the leap from lecturing, which is a, a really solid job, um, the biggest sort of, you know, when you weigh up pros and cons, one of the biggest cons of leaving a job like that is job security. Actually, you can still get made redundant from a very, very solid job. You're running your own business, you're unlikely to make yourself redundant, um, depending how you feel about yourself, but you're not going to make yourself redundant. So in that sense, you are in charge of your own destiny far more. And from a female perspective, I am attracting a lot of other female clients because they want to talk to me because we share backgrounds. We, we're going to have shared feelings towards things. And one of the most important things to me when I'm meeting a new client is to ascertain their protection right now. What are the protection products they've got in place and where are the gaps? Because as a mother, that is something that worries me to make sure I've cover off all the what ifs because I don't want a client to, to not have those areas covered for their children. And um, so when we think about um, sort of hints and tips, and I always like to, to get uh, um, our listeners uh, to walk away with some, some great ideas, and I think you've covered a lot already. What would you say if we had just had to sort of think of three, three great ideas that you could pass on to someone who's starting off in the, in, in the industry? Um, what, what would you be saying to them? So my first one um, I've already touched on, which is um, if people are going to give up their time to help you, take them up on the offer. And if they don't, ask for help. Pick people's brains. Ask people about their backstory because someone else will have a specialism. And if you don't know that they're that specialist in that area, when you meet a client that has a similar thing that you're not sure on, you can phone that specialist. You can lean into their experience and you can ask their opinions on things. So always, always ask for help. And that doesn't have to be finance specific. That can be in business. There can be other people around you. Um, I lean on an accountant and she leans on me and we help each other all the time with particular client cases. So that's one that's really important. Second one, be yourself. If you try to be, as I said before, Cruella de Villa Finance, if you try and be someone that isn't yourself, it's going to make your life very, very difficult. Not everyone is going to like you. And that's absolutely fine. I want clients to come to me because they like me and we get on. And so I'm going to be myself on Instagram. I'm going to be myself on, on TikTok and wherever else it is and on this podcast because people won't always like me, but the people that do like me will become my clients and we will then form a very strong bond. And the last one is a bit more specific, but uh, ride more, worry less. So this is a mantra that I've been, uh, been working on um, for the last six months. So for me, if I can ride my horse a bit more, and worry less about the smaller things, that's really gonna help my mindset and in turn, that's gonna help my positivity and help my clients. Whatever it is that's your thing that you do outside of work, keep that and do it a bit more. And when you're doing it, don't feel guilty about doing it. So for mine, ride more, worry less. Brilliant. Uh, three, three superb uh, 
hints there. But as always, just like Desert Islanders, the waves come in and they're going to take two of your great ideas and leave you with one. Which one would it be? Ask for help. Definitely ask for help because you are never going to know everything. Why wouldn't you lean on other people? And they will lean back on you. And as we said before, that giving back is so important. Brilliant. Thank you so much for your time today, Charlotte, um, and for sharing your insights. Uh, really uh, helpful and, and, and uh, I think for many listeners, uh, incredibly relatable as well. So thank you so much. Thank you. The content of this recording is strictly for general consideration only. No action must be taken or refrained from based on the content alone. Professional advice must always be sought. Accordingly, neither Technical Connection Limited nor any of its officers, employees or contractors can take responsibility for any loss occasioned as a result of any such action or inaction.